What is it? No, we're death was arrested. We're not capable of that. Morning, Hal. I'm good. We're getting ready to start. How are you? <laughs>
kicking us off this morning now. Hey, uh, bring Hudson up here. We, we've got Hudson is with us this morning. I'm excited to see that little boy. So they're gonna, we're going to bring him up here and just show him off because we don't want to bombard him right during welcoming time. So I'm excited to see that. Or you, right? And yeah. Hey, I'm excited to see you, little buddy. Can you wave at everyone? Yeah, okay. I'm excited. We've been praying for this little guy a long time. So I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Let's open in prayer uh, and, and we'll uh, do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, this morning, God, that we're here, Lord, to worship you. And I'm thankful, thankful this little man is with us this morning also, Lord, as we've been praying for him. And we have so many prayer requests, I know, uh, right now this week of people that are sick. And uh, we have Harrison that we're still praying for. I want to bring him up this morning. And uh, Lord, I thank you for this body. I'm, I'm excited to be here today, Lord, to worship you. Be with us as we, as we worship you in song and giving and the teaching of your word. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
church had clap, man, that sugar gave her color purple, coming back, clap, uh, when that whole week beat you up and stretch you, but you hear that organ playing, and remind you of your blessings, and on another note, she just hit another note, chills down my spine, got me crying, with me overload, you don't know about it, though, old school church, ham speakers, got the humming out of drama, been a first in, can't you hear me now, church close, sweaty, you don't care, you just get it now, testify, how we made martyrs out of these fathers, and rose up all of his daughters, to glorify you with thunder, man, it's West Coast Jones, with a head, and that's fine, everywhere, she don't care what it is, 
seated this morning. We have a discipleship uh, certificate to hand out this morning. I think that is Mike Simons. You doing that? Come on up here, sir. We have a, where's one of our mics at? There we go. Right in front of me. Mike is getting a mic. Yeah. All right. Turn this one on. There you go, sir. 
So uh, the rewards uh, a person gets from being obedient uh, to God's word comes in many different uh, uh, many different ways, but discipleship is, is just a special way. I, I'm so blessed uh, to have been able to uh, have discipled Leslie. Uh, I feel like I get more than, uh, than the person that I'm discipling each time I disciple someone. We got to sit down each week, and each week we started out a discipleship out with, how's your week going, and how was your week? And so we got to just, you know, just sit and talk to each other and discuss how our weeks went. And then and then we got, both got excited, and we pointed out to each other the fact that what we're getting ready to do is we're getting ready to receive something from God, that uh, he's getting ready to reveal something in, in his word to us. And so we would get excited about that. And so we would, we would go into it uh, with that mindset, and we did. Each week we would usually discuss after discipleship was done what we had gotten out of God's word. And so, Leslie, come on up. Um, somebody said 14 weeks that's wrong <laughs> um, but no like Mike said every time we sat down and we opened the Bible uh, we learned something new from it and I've I've been in church my entire life so to sit down and be able to dig into the word and still get something out of it just shows you that it is living and it is it is renewed every day um, Mike Simons is very special to me I got out of Greene County Jail and the very moment taken to head, uh, freeway headquarters and started serving immediately, straight out of jail, uh, putting socks in Ziploc bags with this guy right here uh, <laughs> to give away to, to people that needed it. So for him to become my disciple was um, pretty amazing to me, and we had a great time, and I uh, just grew, and, and it's pretty awesome. Thank you, guys. Love you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Discipleship is so, so important, guys. So uh, we should always be teaching somebody, and somebody should always be teaching us. It's foundational to who we are. So we've got several announcements this morning. Wednesday night, we have men's fellowship tonight, men's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. Wednesday night, uh, we're going to be starting a new study upstairs. It did come in. It's a marriage series, and so it's, gonna, uh, it's by Dr. David Jeremiah. It's going to be on Wednesday nights for about 12 weeks. So I encourage you to come on Wednesday night. We have youth classes, kids classes, nursery, uh, and we have dinner uh, with one another every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. So uh, that's coming up. Um, men's Bible study tonight is on the shield of faith. They're going through the whole armor of God. That's what it's on tonight. Next Sunday is the Crossbridge Outreach. It's right after morning service. At 1 o'clock from 1 to 4 uh, at the park on A Highway. So if you'd like to help Mike with that, please let him know. I'm really looking forward to that. Church softball team, they won this week, right? We won again. Okay, good job. Uh, no softball, yeah. It's good. We're winners, right? No, no softball practice. No softball practice today after church. No softball practice uh, but tomorrow night, the game is at 7.15 at Rotary Park on A Highway. So if you'd like to go support the softball team uh, and Coach Tommy, go to that tomorrow night. Bible drill is starting when this one, start last Wednesday or this Wednesday? Bible drill has started. So how many you got in there? A lot? Good. Perfect. I like to hear that a lot. We've lost track. If you haven't got your kids signed up for Bible drill, it's awesome. Please have them do it. It's very, very, very important. 
to hide God's word in your heart so that you not sin against God. That's what scripture says. It's very, very important. Bible drill, they learn 25 Bible verses, 10 key passages, um, and they have to know their books of the Bible in order. So it is, it's a challenging, challenging thing. Uh, moms, there's something new. Uh, Abby's going to be doing, I don't know about every week, but possibly, but they're having for, for moms of young kids. There's going to be a mom's play date at the park this Tuesday morning from 730 to 9.30 a.m. From 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. If you have questions, please see Abby on that. Operation Christmas Child. I can't believe Christmas is going to be here, but it'll be here before we know it. Uh, Operation Christmas Child. We have lists uh, that, that um, are out there in the front. I think the media team has the lists, possibly. You guys have the lists? Yeah, they'll put them up here. Please buy stuff for that because we're going to be packing shoeboxes. Those shoeboxes go all around the world to kids in need. So it's an amazing ministry. It's by Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse, and we're involved uh, with that. Here's a nursery sign-up sheet. Even if you're already on the rotation, please sign up uh, for nursery. We, need, we have a need for volunteers in the nursery, uh, so I'm going to start it uh, on this side of the church, and please pass it around. You have to pass a background check. Everybody who works in the nursery has to pass a background check, uh, but please sign up. It's a way of serving, uh, and there's it, it's not the most glorious job, right, all the time, having kids throw up on you and everything else, right? But it is serving the Lord Jesus, so it's important. It is very, very important. Ladies, um, they're, they're going to have a short meeting today after the morning service. If you're going to the Women of Joy uh, Day, if you're going to that conference, please stay after the morning service. Ladies, you're also going to have coffee this Friday at 8.30 a.m. At, at Prickly Cactus. And there's no women's Bible study this Wednesday night, so everybody will be upstairs uh, as we start that new class. I think that's all I had. Yeah, I think that's all I had. Any, anybody else? I forget anything. Yes, Alan. All the ladies of the church, uh, Elizabeth and Cody's wedding shower, right after the morning service uh, downstairs. They have that decorated really, really nice, so uh, you can stay for that. Anything else that I forgot this morning on announcements? Okay, if you would stand, let's take up our morning offering and have our time of worship before we get into God's word together uh, today. So we'll bless our morning offering uh, this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you again for the opportunity to be here today, Lord. And as we enter our time of worship today, this whole service should be worship of you, but uh, specifically, Lord, we give back to you. Thankful, Lord, for the many blessings you've given us. And use this to further your kingdom, for the gospel to be shared, uh, Lord. And as we preach your word this morning, Lord, let us open our hearts, our minds to receive your word, uh, Lord. And, and uh, we just thank you for who you are and, and the blessings you've given us. In your name I pray. Amen.
guys can be seated. All right. Uh, quick correction. This is why men should never get involved with bridal showers. It is at one o'clock, not right after church. So you have time to go get something to eat and then come back. So uh, me and Alan butchered that. So the, the, wed the wedding shower is uh, at one o'clock. Ephesians chapter six this morning, verses 10 through 18. Ephesians chapter six. Verses 10 through 18. I am excited to be back in Ephesians 6 today. Amen. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand it in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up 
the sword, excuse me, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. I forgot to also mention real quick, children downstairs. Kids, uh, kids, if you'd like to, second grade and below, if you'd like to go down to Children's Church this morning, you can do that right now. Okay, yes. I said, one, oh, don't eat. Okay. See, what I tell you about the bridal showers, we're messing. The ladies need to announce the bridal showers from now on, okay? Don't go eat lunch. Just go home and freshen up. I don't know whatever you ladies do till one. I don't know. And then, and then come back at one and eat and hang out, okay? All right. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer because I need it this morning, all right? Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that we're here this morning to, to be in your word together, Lord. And I thank you. I thank you for all the hard work, the ladies downstairs, and just everybody in this church. I love them. And Lord, we're joyous, and we can have laughter and joy that's found in you and your word. And so, Lord, uh, be with us today as we study this. Convict us, Lord, where we need to be convicted. Uh, encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Us. In all things, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so I am excited to be back in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, the whole armor of God. Quick recap, last week we talked about the belt of truth. What is truth? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. Truth is his word. Truth is who Jesus is. It's everything about Christ. So the first thing in order to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian, is to be in Christ, to walk in Christ, to have Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You can be religious. You can be religious and come to church and not be in Christ. It's about having a personal relationship with Christ. When we believe in him, when we put our faith and trust in who he is, we put on Christ. To truly be a Christian, we must receive Christ as our Lord and our Savior. We put on Christ when we receive Him, when we receive him as our Lord. That is the belt of truth. Without Christ, we don't need the rest of the armor. There's no, you, you can't have the rest of the armor. There's no, it just it stops there. There's nothing else. And, and you're even on the wrong side of the battle. Without Christ, we're talking about spiritual warfare. If you're not for Christ, you're against Him. So if you're not in Christ, you're, on, you're the enemy of God. You're an enemy of God because of our sin. If we're not in Christ, we're against him. So we're going to continue this looking at the whole armor of God and what he has provided for our protection in spiritual battle. We talked also last week that absolutely, 100%, there is spiritual warfare taking place all over. You cannot, and I, I don't even watch it, anymore very rarely you can't turn on the news and not see that we're not in the middle of a spiritual battle all over because of sin it's just all over it's rampant and so this is a spiritual battle it's not a battle against flesh and blood it's a battle against good and evil in this world so what does verse 14 say stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So where we're at today is the, is the breastplate. What is the breastplate? What does it represent? And why is it listed second in this preparation for battle? So let's, let's start with the basics here. What is the breastplate? It's, it, and Paul uses the illustration of a Roman centurion or soldier. So it's a literal piece of armor. The breastplate is it's pretty easy to imagine, but it's made up of small metal plates 
that are woven together, they're tied together in a similar fashion to the way like roof tiles are laid on a roof. The armor was then placed over the shoulders and it protect the front and the back. The bottom of the armor or, or the breastplate was tied to the belt to keep it secure. So on, on the soldier's armor, the breastplate was also custom made. It was custom fit for that soldier. It was designed for him to protect him from attacks, from spears, from sword slashes. It protected his heart and his major organs from a potentially devastating wound. Because there are obviously areas of weakness. Paul refers to this part of the armor as what? The breastplate of righteousness. Now here's the important stuff. What does it represent? What is righteousness? What does righteousness mean? Righteousness defined is morally right or justifiable. Now that, right off the bat, if you're a follower of Christ, should tell you a lot about whose righteousness and what righteousness this is talking about. There's a lot of folks in spiritual battle that are very self-righteous. People are very, very self-righteous. People that, who think by their good works that by their own efforts are righteous in their own eyes. I would say 9 out of 10 lost people that I talk to, when I ask them if they think they're a good person, if they've done good in their life, if they're morally right, they will say yes. That is a big misunderstanding amongst people, that they don't understand what the definition of righteousness and morally right really, really is. A lot of people, they just want to appear righteous in their own eyes. I read this story on self-righteousness, and I wanted to share it with you. It says this, I was shocked, confused, and bewildered as I entered heaven's door. Not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights or its decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp. The thieves... The liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice, Tony, who I always thought was rotting away in hell. Was setting, pre setting pretty good on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus. What's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How did all these sinners get up here? You must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, he said. They're all in shock at the thought of seeing you. <laughs> thought that was pretty good, right? We always, if we compare ourselves to other people, we'll always make sure that we look good and come out self-righteous. We have to remember that this battle is a spiritual one. For every good and right and just thing that we may have done, the enemy, the devil, can hurl back threefold the unjust, the sins, the unrighteous things that we have done. If clothed in our own breastplate of righteousness, what would it be full of? It wouldn't be solid. It would be full of holes and missing tiles, missing plates. It would be easily penetrated. Scripture teaches us that. Romans 3.10 says, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. This is a good reminder that we don't put on the breastplate of ourselves. We don't put on the breastplate of the preacher. You don't put on the breastplate of any of the elders or deacons or of anybody else on this earth. We put on the breastplate and the whole armor of who? Of God. 
Ezekiel 33, 13 says, Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered. But in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. So our own righteousness, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's full of holes. It's full of weaknesses because we've sinned. So we can't, it's not about our righteousness, it's God's. Is, God, is God's righteous? Can the enemy penetrate his armor? Do you think he has any holes or any gaps or chinks in his armor? Any hidden secrets of unrighteousness? If he had any of those things, guys, he wouldn't be God. If he had any of those, he wouldn't be God. God is holy and perfect and righteous. He cannot accept anything less in order to get into heaven. That's the problem for us. We can never be righteous. Jesus, one of my favorite stories in scripture, in the book of Matthew, Jesus has a conversation with a young man who comes to him that is very, very self-righteous. And he comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you know how Jesus answered him? That's an amazing question. Somebody comes to you and says, how can I go to heaven? You would think that Jesus would give him an evangelistic answer. That's not what he said. Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. This guy came self-righteous, trusting in his own righteousness. Jesus wasn't saying that he wasn't God. He was saying, you don't have an understanding about what good really is. Your idea of good and God's idea of good, completely different. Completely different. A lot of times we think, well, we're, we're really... Yeah, we come out looking pretty good. We're a pretty good person. Righteousness is morally just and morally perfect. So it can't be about our righteousness. So how do we receive this righteousness? Well, there's two ways that God describes or gives it, gives it to a believer. It's described to a believer. One is imputed. It's called imputed righteousness. It's done for us by God through Christ. The second one is imparted. It's done through us by Christ living in us. Now I want to explain these to you. So imputed righteousness. It's done for us by God through Christ. When a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, we're given a different status. We're given a different status or a right of being righteous. Not because of what we did, but because of what Christ did. Because Christ came and lived a perfect life. He never sinned. So it's the basis that we receive his righteousness. The righteousness that we received is God's gift to us based upon what Jesus did on the cross. So even though we don't deserve to be made right in God's eyes, we are because of Jesus. Now listen, that should draw us, brothers and sisters, to love him more and more. Because if we look at our own lives, we see the sin. We see the things that we've done that's violated God's law. We don't deserve his righteousness. We don't earn his righteousness. It's a free gift based upon what Jesus did on the cross. That's amazing. Romans, the Bible teaches this. Romans 5.19 teaches this. It says, For as by one man's disobedience... The many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So because Adam 
and Eve in the Garden of Eden sinned and broke God's law, sin and death has now entered to all humanity. So we're unrighteous because of our sin, because we're born into sin. But because Jesus came and lived a perfect life as God in flesh and was righteous and was perfect and took our sin upon himself, now we can be made right in God's eyes. Imputed righteousness is one of the most amazing things. I always describe it in this way, and I know I've described it like, to you like this before, but I want you to remember this illustration. It's like this. If there's two bank accounts, in my bank account, there's a whole bunch of debt. There's a whole bunch of sin that's piled up. Every time that I've lied, every time that I've stolen something, Every time that I've looked with lust, you know what I'm covering right now? The Ten Commandments. Every time that I didn't live perfectly for Christ, there's debt that piles up. And, and there's another bank account, and it's Jesus' bank account. And there's no sin. There's nothing but perfect righteousness. Nothing but every, every perfect thing that he ever did. And here's the amazing, here's the imputed righteousness. Here's the amazing thing. When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, when I put my faith and trust in what he did on the cross, guess what happens with those bank accounts? Mine gets drained of sin, and it goes into Jesus' account. And he imputes to me his righteousness into my bank account. So when God looks at somebody who's believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, does he see the sin? Does he see all the mean, evil things that I've ever done in my life? You know what he sees? Jesus. Now that should affect the way that we live our lives, brothers and sisters. God doesn't see you as a guilty sinner. He sees his perfect son. That's how we can go to heaven. That's how we can go to heaven. That's imputed righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So he puts our sin. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he's crucified, he says, if this cup could pass from me. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about our sin. He knew that our sin was going to be placed on him on the cross. And you know what? He was willing and obedient to go to the cross, knowing that that was going to happen. When he looks up into heaven and he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Do you know what's happening at that time? There's a separation between him and the Father. What's the separation from? Your sin and my sin. He's dying for it so that we can live. When we trust in that, when we believe in that, we, have, we receive imputed righteousness. Now, now that we have his righteousness... Now he's going to start imparting righteousness to us. How is that? What is that? That is done through us by Christ living in us. When you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you now receive the Holy Spirit. That's the third part of the Trinity. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And because you have God, the creator of the universe, living inside of you, you want to live for him. Now you want to live in a righteous way. 1 John 3, 7, we've been working our way, we were working our way through 1 John, and we're going to get there, we're going to get back to it. But 1 John 3, 7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. 
What is John saying there? You have to work for your salvation? No. He's saying that when you have God living inside of you, righteousness is going to come out. How, how you interact with people, the, the fruits of the Spirit, start to come out of your life because you have Christ living in you. We are imputed with righteousness. Then as a result, Christ's righteousness should flow out in righteous living. It should affect how we live our lives because we're followers of Christ. It should look different from a lost and dying world. So, it brings up a question. Which one of these are the breastplate? Well, there's not one or the other. They work together. The imputed righteousness defends against the enemy's strikes concerning our standing with God. I loved, it's just amazing how God works. What was the title of the last song that we sang? We're singing about God, right? You are what? Worthy. Guess what's in my notes here? What does Satan accuse brothers and sisters in Christ of? You are not worthy. Satan accuses you over and over. You are not worthy. And in the strength of our flesh, he is absolutely right. By ourselves, we are not worthy of heaven. We are not worthy of forgiveness. He is right. But, in our, but when we are standing in the Lord, in the power of His might, when we are trusting in Him, we are made righteous by the Son of God. At that point, you are worthy. Because God looks at you like He does Jesus. You know, how, how does Satan attack this? This is how he attacks this. How can you stand against evil when you are a horrible, horrible sinner? How can you stand... Again, in the flesh, we have no strength to stand. But he tells us to stand because God has given us imputed righteousness. There are two types of righteousness that are meshed together in this blessed breastplate. They guard our hearts against the attacks of the devil. Whether he attacks our standing with God or our moral purity. They are welded together. They're knit together because all of it is what? God's righteousness. It's never ours. He gives us that and produces righteousness through us by him. Satan loves to attack this. I'm going to, I'm going to cover that a little bit more here in a minute. What, but why is this the second piece? Why is this the second piece of armor? Remember, in describing the breastplate, it was said that it, it was tied to the belt of truth, or it's anchored in the belt of truth, other translations say. Truth being what? Jesus himself. So why is this second? It's second because without Christ, we simply cannot have true righteousness. Without Jesus, you don't have a breastplate of righteousness. Our armor would be full of holes and is useless in a spiritual battle. Without Christ anchored first, you have no righteousness to defend against Satan's attacks. Listen, without Christ, I, I, I love picturing because... I love picturing how it says, it says that each one of us are going to stand before God. It's appointed unto man to die and after that the judgment. All right. So when you think of judgment, I always think of a courtroom setting. I always think of a courtroom setting. And I, I, I picture the judge being God the Father. He's God the Father setting. And, there's, and when, in a courtroom you have a prosecution and you have a defense, Right? So you have the judge standing here, and you have a prosecutor that has a big, long list of sins. Who's the prosecutor? The accuser of men, Satan. 
He's laying out. Glad Ben Bergstresser's not here this morning because I don't want Ben to think I'm talking about him as Satan. He's our prosecutor. I'm not. You have a prosecutor who's saying, you've lied. He's, Jeff has done this and he's done that and he's done this and he's done that. And you're guilty of all of it. But then you have a defense attorney here that says, yeah, judge, you know what? He's very guilty, but I already paid the fine for him. And so, so the father can say, come into heaven. Not based upon that I'm not guilty of those sins, but based upon somebody else already paid the penalty for me. And that's the Lord Jesus on the cross. Without that, listen, without that, without his righteousness, I'm guilty. Satan accuses, and he's right. And I'm guilty, and I have no standing with God. So in our preparation, we have the belt of truth fixed firmly. We have Jesus we have the breastplate of righteousness to guard our heart, his righteousness, against the attacks, the accusations of Satan. Remember, it's not the self-righteous breastplate full of holes, but the breastplate of God's righteousness. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the kicker on this. Why do we need this? Why, why is this even in here? Why do we need it? Well, Revelation, well, here's the first one. Three reasons. Number one, because Satan accuses you. I covered this a little bit earlier. Here's the scripture behind it. Revelation 12.10. Revelation 12.10. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. So what is Satan doing? He's making accusations day and night against man, against brethren. Now, Here's how we know that this is real. How many of you have ever had the terrible feeling that you're a horrible sinner and there's no way that God could ever forgive me? If you're being honest in here, I think probably all of us at one time or another have thought, I have done too much in my life. There's no way that God would ever forgive somebody like me. Or I've heard people say this before, that I've talked to about Christ, and I've invited them to come to our services, right? I've invited them to say, come, we want to minister to you. I want to share the gospel, and I share the gospel with them. And you know, I've heard this response numerous times. I say, oh, if I walked into a church, I'd burst into flames. You ever heard somebody say that? You know what they're saying? There's no way that God would forgive me. That's what they're saying. There's no way that God would forgive me. You know what that is? That's Satan making accusations against people. That's Satan making it. It can even go like this. There's no way that I could sign up to do the nursery because I, I, I did a horrible thing last week. I cursed last week. Whatever it is. There's no way I could serve at the outreach with Mike Simons because I, I have just messed up this week. There's no way that I could, whatever it is, right? You know what that is? That's Satan making accusations against you and you're standing with God. And you know, hey, listen, you, you, know, you know what protects that? Those, those accusations, those arrows, those shots? God's righteousness. It, my salvation is not dependent upon whether I yelled too much at my football team, right? Boy, yeah, you did, coach. 
I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that, right? I'm thankful that my standing with God isn't based upon my work that I do. It's not based upon any of that. It's based upon Christ. So when those accusations come, it's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about His righteousness. Satan will accuse you. He will say, you're not worthy. When you're in Christ, you are worthy. Because God saved you. He died for you. He loved you so much that he died for you. That's amazing. Here's the other thing we do. We accuse ourselves. We accuse ourselves. Some Christians have the problem of self-examination gone wild. To the extreme of self-accusation, which is unhealthy. Because Satan will, will convince you to put yourself on the shelf. You know what he does? He uses feelings. And he uses your memories to condemn you. He works on your mind. He starts to work on you. Listen, there's some people here this morning that I think need to forgive themselves from their past. God did. So why do you keep bringing it up in your mind? If God has forgiven you, then you need to forgive yourself. Satan is the accuser before God. And God doesn't need us chiming in. He doesn't need our opinion. He, you know what the Lord Jesus never does? You know who reminds you of your past? It's not God. It's Satan. It's Satan. Satan wants to remind you of what you did 20 years ago. Satan wants to remind you of how you lived your life when you were lost. Jesus doesn't do that. When you, if you get run down and you're sleepless and you're beat down emotionally, Satan is going to capitalize on your feelings. He's going to fuel a fire in order to get you to forget that you are wearing the breastplate of God's righteousness and not your own. You don't, so what's the point of that? Don't trust in your feelings. Entire false denominations and churches have been built on feelings and experiences. Feelings come and go. Feelings are deceiving. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things. What do we have to trust in? The Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Those are the things that we hold on to. None else, no, nothing else is worth believing. Feelings are subject to moods and chemical changes and outside influences, even the climate. How many of you get cranky when it gets 100 degrees outside? Everybody, right? I don't like when it's hot in here and I'm breaching. I mean, turn on the AC. Some of you be like, well, I'm freezing out here. Turn on the heat, right? I mean, feelings. For this reason, I mentioned one of the most confused phrases that I hear. I want to bring this up. I hear Christians use this all the time. Well, God is leading me to. I hear that. God is leading me to blank. And from there, I've heard it all, really. God is leading me to date this person who's really not a follower of Christ and is unsaved. Eh, no, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. God is leading me to have a divorce from my spouse. Eh, no, he's not. No, he's not. God's leading me to have an affair. God's leading me to take a questionable job. God's leading me, whatever, blah, blah. Don't just be honest. Don't blame it on God. Just say, I feel like doing it. And that's what happens. That's what happens. 
feelings get in our way. God's truth doesn't. It doesn't. It's not going to lead us astray. Bring your feelings and memories to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Where he buries them as far as the east is from the west. And you can move on and, and let him remind you that they're covered under his blood. He paid for them. And you're wearing a garment, the breastplate of righteousness that he gave you. It's his. That's amazing. Here's the third thing. Others are going to accuse us. Anybody who serves the Lord long enough is going to be falsely accused. You see it all throughout scripture. From Nehemiah to David to Jesus himself. Over and over. It's God's job to silence them, not us. People are going to accuse you. Paul said that many false charges were brought against him. I want you to read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I love how he answers it. 2 Corinthians 6. Verses 3 through 7. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. He says, I deal with all this stuff. A lot of horrible things have happened to Paul in his ministry. He lists a whole bunch of different ones, right? And what does he go back to? His standing of righteousness with God. That's what protects him. Paul knew the truth about himself. Re remember who Paul was. He was a murderer of Christians. I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever physically, I've never physically murdered a Christian or anybody else, but probably mentally I have. I don't know. But Paul was like the worst of the worst. He was persecuting Christians. He was after Christians all day long. Was there anybody, do you think, that could have made an accusation against Paul? Yeah. Yeah. And what did he stand in? Not his own righteousness, not his own ministry. He stood in God's. That's an example for us. Jesus was called everything from here to next Sunday. And he stood in who he was. He knew he was, who he was. I want to close with these verses today. Here's the closing. Some of my most favorite verses in Scripture. It's found in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verses 31 through 38. Amazing set of verses to close this message on God's righteousness and the breastplate of righteousness. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, 
who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. What's he saying? He's saying, who can make an accusation against God's people, against children of God? Nobody. Nobody. And if they do, what does it bounce off of? God's righteousness. God's righteousness. Who, and, and verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for our sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. It means that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how bad it gets, who can bring a charge if you're a children of a child of God? It, that, that, you know what that means? That means that circumstances around us don't determine our standing with God, don't affect our standing with God. And here's the here's the most comfort, one of the most comforting verses I think we can find in Scripture. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He runs the gamut of every possibility, making sure that we know there is nothing, no accusation, nothing that can separate the love of God to you when you're in Christ. Nothing. No attack. Know anything. Guys, that should be comforting and encouraging for you today. No matter what you're going through, no matter what difficulty you have, when you are standing with the breastplate of God's righteousness, you are a child of God, the creator of the universe, and there's nothing that's going to get you. Hey, our bodies are going to die one day. Somebody could run in here this morning because they don't like me and gun me down. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Have a funeral for me and let's be really happy and excited that I'm in heaven and you're not, right? Take care of my family for me, okay? But it's all, it's all good, right? That's what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter your external circumstances. When you put on Christ's righteousness, when you have the breastplate of the Lord Jesus' righteousness, there's nothing that can get through. It just, ding, bounces off, bounces off. Right? So what do we have to do? What do we have to do? We have to put our faith and trust in Christ. We have to get down on our knees and say, God, I, I messed up. I'm a sinner. If you're not, if you've not professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, you've got to recognize that your sin has violated a holy God, and there's a punishment for that. But God, being rich in mercy and love, made a way for you to be forgiven. Made a way for you to have in your bank account not all the sin, but his righteousness. That's through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to trust in that. For my brothers and sisters this morning, what are, what are we worrying about our old sin? When Jesus paid for it, he paid for it. He, didn't, he paid for it how many times, guys? Once, not multiple times. So don't keep nailing it up there. Let it go. He removes it as far as the east is from the west. And don't listen to Satan when he says, you aren't good enough to serve in the church. You aren't good enough to serve in the ministry. You aren't good enough to do this, or you aren't good enough to do that. That comes from Satan, not God. Because how God views you, brothers and sisters, is he sees his son. So what does that mean? Get 
busy serving the Lord Jesus and storing up treasure in heaven and not here. Get busy storing up treasure in heaven. You, you, you have the rest, you have the protection because of God's righteousness. Now we can get busy. So when, when he says stand firm, therefore, that means we're not wavering in whether we're forgiven. We're standing firm that we're in Christ. And Satan, you can't attack me because I have God's righteousness. You can try, but I'm resting in Christ. And we get busy serving, and that should be an encouragement for you this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask our worship team to come. If you're here this morning, my question is just this. When did you put on the breastplate of God's righteousness? When did you trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Guys, there's many questions that I can ask you. I, can, I love talking with people. We can talk about football. We can talk about the weather. We can talk about, I don't know, what else. The most important thing I can ask you is when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody, I'm telling you. We, 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 Sydney had a track meet uh, Friday, cross-country meet. And it took, took a while. There was a lot of people there. My mom and, when was it? Thursday. Sorry, not Friday, Thursday. I, days run together, guys. Thursday. And my parents left a little bit early, and there was a horrible wreck on an on a, a I-44. You guys probably heard about it on the news. My dad was one of the first people to reach that car as that guy was taking his last breath on this earth. I guarantee you that young man, I think he was 30, guarantee you that young man did not set out that day thinking he was going to be taking his last breath on this earth. Me and you can be in eternity like that. I tell you that, not to scare you, but to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's nothing else that matters. Nothing else. Not what kind of car we drive, what kind of truck we have, how good looking we are. No, it don't matter. Compared to, or am I going to be in heaven one day, right? I mean, I'm thankful you guys have a good-looking pastor. I'm thankful for that, right? But <laughs> sounds like some self-righteousness, right? But I want you to think about this. It's important. It's important. I'm going to ask you to stand. Don't let guilt beat you down. Don't let the devil work on your mind. Rest in the fact that you're protected from in front and behind. And have peace. That's the peace that comes with the breastplate of righteousness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning, God, for your word. I thank you for this body. Lord, I pray that we're putting on the truth of who you are, trusting in you, and we're standing firm with your righteousness, not our own, not trusting ourselves. In ourselves, we're dead in sin. Only through you are we made right. It's not about anything we do. Not a, it's, it's just about faith. It's about faith. It's about putting our faith and trust in who you are and what you did. And trusting you in every area of our lives. So Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you for this uh, time this morning. I thank you for this body. In your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, guys. Eldon and Skyler, you guys want to come up here this morning? Um, I had the chance to talk to Eldon uh, last week after church, and he told me something out front that, I mean, the body needs to know when this stuff happens, and I, I love this. Eldon rededicated his life to Christ. Uh, and so that, that's important. He's, he's, uh, he's a professed follower of Christ and has been baptized and uh you don't get saved again or baptized again. You just get back on the right track. And that's important. That happened to me about 12 years ago at a revival. I knew, hey, it's time that I get serious about my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and do something in ministry. And that's how me getting into ministry all, all, all started. And so I'm thankful uh, for that testimony. You got anything you want to say, Eldon, real quick? Uh, religion is nothing new to me. I was born in, uh, well, I was adopted by a Southern Baptist pastor. And I was raised by him. He's also a school teacher. Uh, I bucked because the thumb was held down so tight, and I ended up, you know, in the penitentiary and drug addictions and various things here and there. But I've always known in the back of my mind that I'm doing wrong by God. You know, I, I have that conscience that my dad instilled in me. And I got out four years ago, and I things just nothing was working for me and I couldn't figure it out I couldn't figure out why because I am trying to sow all good things but I'm not really getting much back it seems like and through the gentle poking and prodding of my very wonderful landlord Jody Bunch he has been uh, the, a huge factor in my decision in this and my desire to want to be more honorable and you know whenever you see Jody go through town people respect him and I want the same thing. It's not the first time we've heard that. 
that's members working in the community. Thank you for sharing that. Stay up here. Skylar, so, so when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I need to be baptized, I, I'm, I'm excited, but they get a meeting with me uh, in, in my office. And so I, I walk in, he walks in, and I say, hey, here's the deal. How can I go to heaven? And I tell him, somebody just shot me. I got two minutes to live. How can I go to heaven? I put him on the hot seat, right? He answered amazingly great uh, on sharing the gospel with me. He's a follower of Christ. He made the commitment but hasn't been baptized, so he needs to be obedient in being baptized. And so we're going to baptize him the last Sunday of this month uh, down in the river. So we've got baptism probably this month, and we'll probably jump in there at the end of October, right? And then after that, you're waiting till spring for the river, guys, okay? Uh, but, Skylar, you got anything you want to say? Uh, yeah, I just want to thank God for saving me from the dark space that I was Amen. in and for his undeserving love. And I want to thank everybody at Freeway and Crossway Baptist Church for accepting me as part of your family. Um, I don't necessarily come from a religious family. I was raised in a generational addiction and a lot of other hard things. And I just feel the love from you guys and I feel accepted by you guys and I appreciate that. Amen. Thank you. All right. Here's the benediction today. Come around and congratulate them. You guys get to stay up here. So come around and congratulate them. Here's the benediction. It's Philippians 3.9. It says, And being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Our righteousness is from God by our faith. That's amazing. So God was honored today by someone honoring Jody. So I'm going to ask you to close this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for this day, God. We just thank you for the for this church, God, and just um, just the way they've accepted me as well as everyone else, God. Just thank you for for all you've done in our lives, God. And as we go out into this day, God, just help us to to set a worthy example, God. Just help us to depend on you, and just to make sure, God, that you get the glory in everything that you do, God. And we just love you and thank you, and just get us all home safely. And in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.